Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Come on, let's lift up a voice of praise. Hallelujah. He's the exalted one. Hallelujah. So exalted. Jesus. Savior, healer, deliverer, king, our soon coming king. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we give you praise tonight, honor, glory to your name. So welcome, everybody, those joining by live stream. Welcome, welcome. Praise God. Hallelujah. Woo-hoo. That was so good. Ladies, thank you. You know they're in the secret place doing all that. That's like, yay, God. So uh, do we have any first-time visitors here tonight? Wow, we got a whole crew here, huh? Where are you guys from? You invited him. Uh, under the sandcastles at this Wrightsville Beach. Welcome. Yeah, so here, let me stand up. Hey, guys, I'm Nate. Um, I'm with Tessa and Sedena. Um, so six of us decided for this summer that we were just going to, hey, what's up, that we were just going to go um, across the nation and just spread the love of Jesus. So we're on this trip called the Jesus Journey, and uh, we're here in Wilmington, and just like we've been at the beach, we've just been spreading the love of Jesus, get, seeing people get saved and healed and just set free. So we met these guys, and they invited us here. We're all on a Jesus journey, right? How many are on a Jesus journey? Yay, God. Hallelujah. Any other first-time visitors? Praise God. Where are you from? Wilmington. Wilmington, welcome. Leland. Leland. Praise God. Okay. Well, we're glad glad you're all here. Thanks. Just uh, housekeeping, if you need the restroom, ladies, it's right outside that door. Men, it's outside that door. Praise God. Well, we'll, I'm going to ask Bishop, come and pray for us, Bishop. Would you pray down the Holy Ghost and cover us tonight? Father, we just honor you tonight because your word says we are two or three are gathered together in your name. You are right there in our midst. And you come for many, many purposes, and they are all good. And so, Father, tonight we just welcome the presence of the mighty Holy Spirit in our midst. We acknowledge you. We welcome you tonight. Lord, I'm asking that your grace will be unleashed through your servant tonight as the pastor dishes the word of God out none of him, but all of you, that the word will come with precision, with accuracy tonight. And Lord, anoint our ears to hear tonight. Lord, I address every spirit, every lying spirit that will distract your people who already heard that before. I don't need to hear that. And then you tune out. Lord, I pray that we will not tune out, that we truly be students of the word of God. We approach the word of God with humility. We open our heart to receive. Even those that have seen deliverance before, God used them in the past. We come to it like a child so that we can receive. Because if you're already full, you can receive. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we will open our heart to receive from you tonight. We are students of your word, and we are here tonight to learn. 
Father, I just pray for even those that are watching from home, that the power of God will touch them, that they will hear something that will transform their lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for Pastor Tom tonight, special grace special anointing to deliver this assignment that you have given him tonight. Lord, we receive that for him in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you in Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Praise God. Pastor Terry, you want to explain the yeah. keeping of the records? <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we're, we uh, already have had five sessions, and I got some that say three and some that say five, and, and so I just decided to, to do away with the X's we trust you guys. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> this is church. This is church. <laughs> if you, if you uh, missed a class, go to uh, online and then get it there. Yeah. And if, if all I want you to do is I'm, I've got two clipboards here, and they're both the same. I, I'm going to give this side a clipboard and that side a clipboard. And you guys just make sure that all your information is there. If you're new, put your name on the bottom and uh, follow instructions. It says uh, phone and email. <laughs> so I just, we'll do this right, okay? And that's for the uh, ministry team training. Yeah. Right, yeah, so this, we're starting a new phase tonight on deliverance, but this, this is for the five-week training we did on ministry team training. So if you've attended that, we've given credit, those who've been online, so really it's honor system. Um, tonight we're starting, I think it could be five weeks, we'll see where it goes, uh, but we're gonna dig deep into deliverance um, I don't know that I've gone this deep before, and possibly the last night, we're gonna show a pretty raw uh, experience with a, a former warlock. Oh, I can't show it um, live, so it'll not be live streamed. You'll have to be here for that. But he'll give you some insight, I think, into uh, how the underworld thinks. And um, so, praise God. So, Lord, I thank you for tonight. We ask that you uh, unveil your plan and purposes, and we, we surrender this time to you in Jesus' name. Uh, let me do kind of a show of hands. How many um, have never witnessed an actual uh, deliverance before? Okay, about a third of you. Um, how many of you grew up in, a, in either in a no church or a denominational background where deliverance was just not talked about at all? Okay, take a look around, okay? Um, and so, um, and for many years, that, that was the case, and in, in my example, I never wanted to be a deliverance minister. In fact, coming out of uh, my mindset, well, this is like, dun da da, -da. <laughs> Spotlight. <laughs> I love our AV sound guys, they're awesome. And so, um, so, you know, my mindset was, I thought this whole devil thing, you know, I watched a little bit of the Exorcist movie way back when, I said, this is Hollywood selling movies, and I want nothing to do with that, and so the devil, leave me alone, I don't want to know, if he even exists, I don't want anything to do with him. And then, uh-oh, I ran into some demonic stuff, and in my first trip in 2001 to Brazil with Randy Clark, if you've read my book, um, that was the start of a journey that we're gonna unpack. The the next five classes or so is gonna be out of module uh, 12 and also 11. We've covered all the other modules in the prior five weeks, so you're gonna to have to have this. We're just charging costs, they're out there. Are they, how are they, 15 bucks, I think? 50, yeah, so you, you'll need this, you wanna have it. Uh, anyway, and also, if you haven't read my book, I'd encourage you uh, to get one. Uh, if you 
have not read it, don't have one, I'll give it to you free. Just pick them up out there, but the only request is read it, okay? Uh, My spiritual dad, Jack Taylor, who's in heaven now, um, when we were in Tanzania, uh, he witnessed, actually his wife, uh, Mama Frida, she witnessed us eight hours doing deliverance in, uh, outside of Moshi Town, and she was a skeptic of deliverance. She'd seen a lot of abuses in the churches she'd been involved in, and she told her papa, her husband, um, my papa, that she was gonna go witness and watch what they did so that uh, she could see what they did. At the end of that, she went to Jack Taylor um, and said, Tom's gotta write a book so that a pastor in another nation can pick this up and do it. Because, and so Jack, with his influence with Destiny Images, the vice president of Destiny Images at that time had been a missionary to Mozambique, and they connected, and so in the next eight or nine months, we developed the book, and this has now been translated in different languages and used in different places. And so the first part is the bio, um, how did we start and what did we learn? You know, when you go uh, outside your comfort zone and start doing ministry, you learn a lot, the do's and don'ts, right? Uh, but the, the back part of it is the model that we use, it's called the destiny model, and we've now tried this on, I'm not exaggerating, thousands and thousands of both mass deliverances, the largest being 4,000 in, in a field in Tanzania at one time, and then also my my preferences individual ministry which we do every week on Tuesdays for different people and we're scheduled out I think till October on that and so and we're raising up teams for that the uh, the destiny models in the back and if you'll follow the destiny model which is like we just went through the salvation model and we went through the healing model and you've tested that out there on the streets and play you, you'll find if you follow the models which are biblically based you won't get hurt and the people you're ministering to won't get hurt so we're gonna dig into that and then we're gonna um, uncover some of the plans and purposes that I think the Lord has for each of us. So you're gonna need a handout if you did not get this one called Deliverance. I'd like you to pick it up. We've got, uh, I got a bunch up here. Terry, why don't you hand those out? Buck, maybe you can hand these out too. All right. Um, So we've been discussing the five-fold ministry at various points, and uh, we introduced that the, in the last couple of weeks with the uh, models that we've been doing. So someone describe for me, what is the five-fold ministry? Okay, and it's found in where? Ephesians 4, right, 11 and 12. And what's the purpose of the five-fold ministry? Equip the saints to do the work of ministry. You're a saint, right? You're not a sinner, you're a saint. Amen, you were a sinner, but you're now a saint, right? And so part of the equipping is to uh, be prepared to do what the Lord's called us to do, thank you. Um, So, take a look at your handout for tonight, and then we'll, we'll, at some point we'll get into module 12. But I I want us to recognize that um, you are wartime Christians. Let that sink in for a minute. Ever since the resurrection of the cross, things shifted, and now you are in a wartime mode. You are wartime Christians. That war will end at some point, but right now you are in a war zone. Okay? Turn with me to Revelation chapter 12. One of the scriptures listed there, but let's turn. You're gonna need your book, your phone, something. Make sure you never, you come with your sword. Don't leave your sword home. 
you're at war, you ought to be carrying it, right? <laughs> Have it memorized. So Revelation chapter 12, you're very familiar with this scripture that we declare. Let's read out of Revelation 12, 8. The dragon lost the battle. There was a war in heaven. The devil lost the battle, and his angels were forced out of heaven. That's the good news. The bad news, he was thrown to earth. The great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across heaven. It came at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of the brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before God day and night, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb, by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to be afraid to die. Now it goes on and talks about the woman and the child, but let's pick up on verse 17. And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children. Look at the conditionality here. All who keep God's commandment and maintain their testimony for Jesus. And the dragon took his stand on the shore beside the sea. So he declares war. King James says it this way. The dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. Remember the woman shall crush his head and he shall bruise her heel. So there's this, there's a battle of the generations that's on. And ever since Satan was thrown, we can't unpack this, we've done this before. But you know out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, I went to the third heaven, right? And I saw things there that I can't utter to you. And even if I couldn't, utter, I, would, I wouldn't be able to explain it to you, what I saw. So we know there's a third heaven. In this case, the throwing out, and this is my belief, and many of the commentators agree with this, that one-third, he deals with one-third of the angels, right, that were thrown out, have become these demonic activities, demonic minions that exist in the earth today. And so, question, can the devil be redeemed? No. No? no. Never. And so, so, I want you to understand, in this wartime setting, he's, he's here, Take a look with me to John chapter eight for a moment. And let's pick up in verse 44. Jesus, in John eight, in verse 44, he's having an interchange with the religious guard that is uh, desiring to kill him. They're actually plotting his murder. And Jesus calls him out. Are you there? John eight forty-four. For you are children of your father, the devil, and you love to do evil things that he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He was always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he's consistent with his character for he's a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth that you must naturally don't believe me, which you can't truthfully accuse me of sin, it goes on. So I want you to see that he's been a murderer from the beginning. Turn a couple of chapters to the right to John 10.10. 10. Here's a job description of Jesus and the devil, which I'm sure you're probably familiar with. John 10.10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. King James says, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. So he's a thief, he will rob from you, he will kill your children, he will do what he can to destroy your work and your peace. He's a murderer, he's vile, he's evil, and there's no redemption in him. So there's, there's a place in us where we have to recognize Jesus did not walk peacefully with the devil. 
Now our challenge is if there's a human being that is being oppressed or somehow manipulated by the devil, there's a person there that we wanna see them get set free. So the challenge is we wanna defeat the enemy but yet preserve the love of the individual. And therein is the challenge, right? Especially when you see some of the wickedness that is when a, when a person is possessed by a devil. Like this young man who just killed these children, right? That's a possessed individual. He wanted to die. There was no negotiating with him. And in that case, you don't negotiate. You need somebody with a big gun to take him out. But in the case where we're de- dealing with people that are oppressed by evil or darkness or don't know the difference that they've opened doors, we have a love relationship for the person because we're to love, but there's a darkness that's there that's got to come out. And herein is the challenge that we have, right? And now we're going to come into strategically. So I want to address a couple of things with you. We need to understand, we need to believe, and we know how to act. There's a thing, when I was uh, in the nuclear Navy, we had a thing called uh, theory to practice. I went four years, actually did five years and four years because we shipped out during the summer, uh, and I had my, got my nuclear degree. So I was a nuclear engineer, then I got picked up to go be part of a training group that was gonna train nuclear sailors on fast attack submarines. So I went to six months of power school and I relearned a whole bunch, but it was very specific. Instead of generalized theory in nuclear science, nuclear engineering, now it's how does a fast attack submarine propulsion plant work in that process, and it was very narrow. And for six months we studied theory, and, and how many of you know you can read a recipe, but when you go to make the cake, it may be a little bit different. Or you can read a book, go on Google. We, my son-in-law and I were doing this about trying to fill up some air conditioning unit in my sister-in-law's car. So we go on Google, it says, find on this Ford Focus where this valve is and you gotta take the fender off and get it. I'm like, good Lord. It looked real simple on, uh, on Google. But so theory to practice is you can have theoretical, theoretical knowledge, but it's another thing to understand practice and how it operates. So the first time I'm on watch in a fast attack submarine and maneuvering, and I've read all the practice and theory, I I studied up on the USS Thresher that went down, if you're familiar with anything there, in 1963 the USS Thresher, a fast attack submarine was off the coast of Cape Cod, they were doing deep dive exercises, we're in the midst of developing the nuclear submarine fleet, and um, Anyway, a hull valve blew off the side of the ship. Now, they're in communication with the surface ship above, so they knew what was going on. So they do a deep dive, they did shallow dives, and then we did a, they did a deep dive, and one of the hull valves, which is attached to the skin of the ship, blew off, and flooding command started immediately, and when that flooding happened, it sprayed against one of the electrical panels in the reactor plant, and the reactor scrammed, and they lost propulsion. And one of the two worst things that happens on a submarine is fire and flooding. You gotta get to the surface. Well, in order to blow tubes and get the plant, they have 3,000 pound air, but the, the valves on that were too small. They froze and the ship started to go to crush depth and they're communicating about what's happening. And so, and we lost the entire crew. I think 123 people we lost on that ship. And so from that came the practice of one, we're gonna change the whole design of things. They did different things on the brazing. This goes into more detail than you probably need. But it's theory to practice. This guy was an Air Force and also a Delta pilot. It's a whole lot different in the simulator and also studying it and then you get up there and you get into some kind of turbulence, etc. and theory to practice. So 
What's the relevancy? We want to know theoretically what the kingdom is about darkness and light and your power and authority, but you've got to have strategic plans when you're sitting there face to face with something that says, I'm going to kill you when I come out. No, you're not. Okay, so, so we're going to uh, kind of unpack here and get to the theory to practice part of this uh, as we go through the next several weeks. Let me, um, let me ask the definition. So what is deliverance? Getting the thing out of you? Breaking bondage? Yeah, deliverance. You're being delivered, right? Whether it's the Israelites being delivered from Pharaoh, right? You're being taken from a place where you're held captive or prisoner and you're being set free. That's, so let's turn to module 12.1 in your wire bound. So the definition there is at the top, a person being set free from oppressive or demonic spirits. Demons are evil spirits without bodies under Satan's authority who seek to harass people and if possible move them, make them restless, disturbed, tormented. See there, the term oppression is used in the manual rather than possession. Here's a, a, a statement that I've often heard from people that says, well, Christians can't be possessed. Is that true? Christians cannot be possessed. Right, true. Because why? Remember, in, in the case we just read in, in John 8, you're either a child of the devil or a child of the king. It's not, well, I kind of want to, no, you're not. <laughs> you're either born again believer in Christ or you belong to the other one and you're actually dead. Even though you're physically alive, you're actually dead until you come to that born again experience. But as soon as you're born again in Christ, your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, right? And once your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, we could debate once saved, always saved, we've done all that. We, we, we know that there's a, there's a rationale of being born again and you're alive in Christ, right? And so let's, let's take a look at, so the idea that a, a Christian, it cannot be possessed, but they can be oppressed. Example. How many times I've heard this statement from folks that come in for inner healing or deliverance? They say, well, how come I confess my sin, but yet I'm still struggling with my sin or I'm still severely oppressed or tormented in those things? Shouldn't I be free? Yes, you should be. But what's the difference? 1 John 1, 9, if you, if you understand this, these two scriptures, 1 John 1, 9 says this, if you confess your sins to him, Jesus, he's faithful and just to forgive you from all, I looked that up, all unrighteousness. So you come in with a repentant heart, do communion, get on your knees, Jesus, I'm sorry, I'm really, and you are forgiven, your slate as far as east is from the west. This is really good news. How does the all-knowing, all-powerful God not remember your sin anymore? I don't know, but that's what he said. Maybe the blood is so royal, you, he just can't see anything but you through the blood, right? Because if you look at the Old Testament example, which is more obsolete, right, he said, than the New Testament, the sprinkling of the blood of the lambs and the goats covered them for one year. But the royal blood of Jesus, according to Hebrews, has done it once and for all time, right? And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. So the royal blood of Jesus, so my sin's forgiven, why am I still battling and why am I so tormented? Well, 
James 5, Jesus' half-brother gives us insight to this. In James chapter 5, he says, is any suffering among you? Would somebody tell me who's not suffering among us, please? Come pray for me. (laughs) So we all got something going on. If any suffering among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint with oil the prayer that's offered in faith shall sozo the sick, save, heal, and deliver, right? The Greek verb, we just covered that in the last sessions. That Greek verb, saved, healed, and delivered, right? Then it says, confessing your sins one to another that you might be sozoed, saved, healed, and delivered. So when you confess your sins to Christ and you're truthfully, you turn, they're gone. But I still got other issues going on here. This soulish realm, right? This mind, will, emotion, the the physical condition. My spirit man is alive and it's birthed and it's clean, but I got stuff going on. And until we come to that place where we deal with that, confessing our sins one to another. So something happens in the example, we've, again, we've dealt with this in the court of heaven. In the third heaven, right, we're seated at the, in, the, in, the, in the heavenly realms with Christ, Ephesians 2. So when you're in that courtroom place, which takes place in the setting, in a deliverance setting, you've got, we always do a two by two, that's what he did, right, when he sent him out in Luke chapter 10, sent him out two by two, because one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. So you got two by two, you're sitting there, and in that process, they're confessing their sin, What's taking place is actually a legal transaction. They are seated in the realms now, in the courtroom of Christ, and they're saying, I I forgive so-and-so for such-and-such, or I confess my sin of what I've done. And the two witnesses there say, amen, we agree. And there's a shift that takes place. In fact, in Malachi 3.16, it's one of three, says a scroll of remembrance is being written for those who love to honor his name. So there is a record in heaven of that taking place. And we say in Psalm 139, right? Every day is recorded in the book, right? So that day that you're sitting there, the Lord knew that you'd sit there, and there's this record being kept in heaven of what's taking place transactionally in the kingdom. When you confess and you forgive, it unauthorizes the devil's operation to come and torment you. But then you gotta keep the door closed, which we're gonna deal with. So when we look at these scriptures, I know I'm gonna feed you with a fire hose, but we're just gonna go, right? You know the scripture in Ephesians 6. Turn there with me quickly. In keeping with what's in your handout, all these scriptures that are on the top of your handout, not on the wire bound, but on the handout on deliverance. Ephesians chapter six, you're familiar with putting on the full armor of God, right? So we put on, why why do you tell us to put on the full armor of God? Because you're in a war. (laughs) When the police officers suit up or when the the soldiers suit up, they put on their Kevlar, they go to battle, they've got their helmets. Because why? Because there's a battle going on out there. So Ephesians chapter six, are we there? All right, I'm glad you are, I'm getting there. All right. So he tells us that one, who do we wrestle against? Not flesh and blood, right? But it looks like flesh and blood's wrestling with me. But that is an empowerment of something darker, right, which is inside. So we wrestle not against flesh. The final word, be strong. Verse 10, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Take a firm stand against all the strategies of the devil. So Paul tells us quickly right away, this is what your battle's against. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of the world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of armor. So it's got the helmet of salvation, the gospel of the shoes of peace, right? The belt of truth, the sword, the shield, the breastplate. So 
We're, we're dressed for war. Let's look at the next scripture. Revelation 12, well, we read that one. That's the one where we're at war. He tells us what happened. They were thrown out of heaven. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9. So can somebody quote it for me? Watch, I'll start. Watch out. The devil seeks whom he may devour, but take a firm stand against him. So this idea that, well, I don't want to mess with the devil and he won't mess with me, uh-uh, that ain't going to work, right? He's already come. He's a, he's a thief. He's a liar. He's a destroyer. And you're authorized to hate him. You can hate the devil. I hate what he does. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, 1 John 3, 8. So we see this, that this Stand, this idea that the devil is going to roar around and, and, and we, we just, we don't cower from him. You stand up against him. And you've heard this before. There's a reason you don't have any armor on your backside because you were never intended to run, right? You face off and says, and when you don't know anything else to do, stand there and face him. And we'll use some examples when the model doesn't work and I don't know what to do. What do you ask the Lord? James 1, 5, ask the Lord. If you lack wisdom, ask him, right? And he'll show you. I, I can guarantee he'll show you what you need to do. All right, James 4, this is another good scripture. Let's turn there. Jesus' other half-brother, James, turn to James chapter 4. Can you repeat the first John story? 1 John 3, 8. Uh, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. We're gonna get there in a minute. Okay, there in James chapter 4, This is a whole interesting thing. You could put a whole sermon around this. Drawing close to God is the title of it, but it talks about evil desires. He starts out in verse one. What's causing all the fights and the offense? And it's a bunch, it's because of your bunch of evil desires that are working in your members. You got some stuff going on. That's what James is saying, right? And you don't ask God. You pursue things that you shouldn't pursue. And you're a bunch of adulterers, verse four. That's not encouraging. But he was kind of a cut to the chase kind of a guy, right? Show me your works by your faith, the faith by your works. So don't you realize friendship with the world, verse four, makes you an enemy of God. I'll say it again. If you wanna be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that God placed within us and was filled, the spirit of God has placed within us and is filled with envy, but he has given even more grace to stand against such evil desires as the scripture says. He opposes the proud, he gives favor, to the humble. Here's an operative verse. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty cannot be divided. So this is that humility comes and when you're in a place where I just don't know what to do, Lord. That's a really good prayer. Lord, help, I don't know what to do. I come before you and... um, Quick example, you may have heard this one before. We were in uh, uh, Belém, Brazil. The, uh, there was a, her name was Ana Paula. She was a prostitute. She was working the conference outside. We were in a soccer stadium, and during, when they play soccer, the, I guess the prostitutes have pretty good business. I don't know. Um, but she was working the stadium, and she wasn't getting any business. And so, which is good, because it was a Christian conference. <laughs> and it was, praise the Lord. And so, so they had a healing tent, and they had a deliverance tent set up, and there were about 20,000 people in the soccer stadium. And um, prior to the meeting, they were gonna set up the deliverance tent and the healing tent. So this lady gets invited in. She's 15 years old. Her name is Anna Paula. She's 15 years old. I would guess 110 pounds. 
and she comes to the healing tent because someone said, do you need prayer? Well, she'd been dedicated to Macumba in witchcraft. She had a grandmother who was witchcraft. Her father had pressed her, uh, pushed her into prostitution to help out with family resources. And so she says, well, yeah, I got stomach issues because we didn't find out at the time, but because she's eaten food dedicated to Macumba idols, her intestinal tract and stomach had been cursed. And oftentimes we saw with prostitutes, also their female organs are cursed. And so she, the door opener was, I need prayer because I've got all these stomach issues going on. So she comes in and Randy Clark's there and he had a, um, Clarice was his translator, excellent translator. And Clarice had been raised, she was in a rather wealthy Brazilian family. She was raised by a nanny and her nanny was in a spirit-filled church who did a lot of deliverances. So when she's 10, 11, 12, 13, she's with her nanny and they're doing deliverances. So she witnessed a whole lot of that, and she's a great translator. So she's there. Well, the, the young lady comes in and comes before Randy on the prayer line. When Randy lays hands on her, she falls out in the spirit, and she starts vomiting red blood, and I'm not exaggerating. They said, Randy said, if I could dial 911 if they had it, I was going to. I thought she's going to die. Something's bad. And Clarice said, no, 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 no. I've seen this before, this Macumba. So she shuts it down. She says, in the name of Jesus, stop. And Randy says, and it stops, she regathers herself up, and she says, they, they lead her to Christ, because that was pretty shocking for her. They end up leading her to Christ, and then Clarice says, can you come, since you've had so much oppressive stuff done with you, can you come to the deliverance tents tomorrow, and we'll do deliverance with you? So Randy gives her permission, she contacts me, we got about 16 of us in the tent and set up in two by twos with translators, and Clarice is there, and she's got a couple of our men from, uh, Global River with her, and they're doing the, and she starts, and as soon as she starts down the model for getting her to confess and forgive, we'll get into that, all of a sudden she goes into a catatonic state, and you could put her, literally, her head here and her feet here, rigid as a board, unconscious, out. And Clarice, who's pretty experienced, she's trying to get the human personality to come forward so she can confess and forgive, and, and uh, no, nothing. And so she comes to me, she goes, I don't know what to do. I can't reach her. I can't, I can't get to her. So I went over, I, I thought, well, let's we gather some folks, and I tried, and nothing. Can't respond. We had someone sit over there a while back in a catatonic state, visited the church during worship. As soon as worship stopped, started for like an hour and a half plus, right, Miss Addie? She sat there and didn't even remember after she came back and we got her in that place and into deliverance. I think you two did the deliverance on her, right? Phyllis and Miss Addie, if I recall, uh, later. And, and so, long story short, at that point I said, Lord, I, I lack wisdom here. This doesn't fall, follow the model. So she's come here and confessed salvation yesterday. She's come here to, beli- to be delivered. There's no way you would deny that. So what am I missing? What? So I just got a, a, quickly with the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I, you got you to give us in these. And I heard in my spirit, hand-to-hand combat. I'm going, Lord, I don't really know what that means. I'm not going to go over there and karate chop her or anything, you know. And so, so but, but I sensed all of a sudden in my spirit, I felt get really close and speak in tongues. When you don't know what to do, that's why you need the Holy Ghost and you need the power of the Holy Ghost. And when you don't know how to pray or what to pray, pray in the spirit, right? 
at all times, he tells us, right? So I said, okay. So we gathered. Now we got eight of us. I got a, a guy whose first mission trip, Mark Brissom. He's a business guy. He's never seen anything. He's like, this is all while we were doing a walk around seven Jericho march around the stadium. He gets the gift of tongues, and he's like, anyway, he's like totally out of his comfort zone. So he's with me. He's really close. He wants to learn. He's holding her head. We got people sitting. Where is Nick Thornhill here? No. no. Okay. Nick would tell you she started to elevate when we started to pray. And so there were several, I'm just reporting. I'm just telling you it's God honest truth, okay? And so, so they're sitting on her and they're like, okay, we just go into tongues. We're speaking in tongues. Everybody's going, we got Brazilian tongues, we got everything. It's going. And I don't know how long we're into the tongues. 20 minutes, don't, I don't know, you kind of lose track. And all of a sudden, the eyeballs open and in perfect English she doesn't speak English perfect English she turns to Mark and says when I come out I'm going to in a male voice I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill her and then I clicks back down and back into the state Mark looks at me like did you hear what they said I said yeah Mark they lie all the time they're liars Mark is still alive by the way this is years later okay and so so but he, he's like I said, now be careful, because also tried to bite him. And it was, be careful, Mark, get back a little bit here, because, yeah. Okay, so, so we're praying. I said, okay, well, we got some response. So now the tongues go up into a whole new level. And then the, the, the devil's not very smart at times, at least the underling demons. All of a sudden, I don't know, again, how many minutes, turns out, perfect English again, looks at me, says, it's getting hot in here. Oh, now, forget it. We're like, we're on it. The fire, tongues of fire all over this thing, right? And all of a sudden it says, it says, I'm leaving. And it leaves. And she absolutely goes limp. The human person, Anna Paula, comes back. And she looks at us and she goes, it's gone. In, in uh, Portuguese, it's gone. And so we finish the ministry, fill it with the Holy Spirit, ask God, and then, then Clarice takes her aside and says, you know, you gotta make some lifestyle changes, right? You can't be doing what you've been doing. The next day, she comes to the tent. I didn't even recognize her. She doesn't have the jacked up skirt. She, she's, she's like, I said, my, she goes, I had the first night that I have not been tormented for years. So we celebrate that, and, and, uh, and it was such a, again, instructive place where, for me, you know, policy, procedure, structure, yes, but there's times when, Lord, you do what you gotta do, and, and you will follow you. We just follow you, amen? So I want you to see, in this place where you gotta resist the devil, and he will flee. James 4 says, so now let's turn to 1 John 3, 8. So turn, if you're there in James, turn to 1 John. Go to the right. First John 3, 8. Now John, the revelator, he's in his 90s. It's amazing. He's learned a lot and certainly experienced a lot. And, and so he goes on here and he says, the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who were born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because life is in them so they can't keep on sinning because they are the children of God. So there's a practice of, if someone says I'm a believer and I've walked the aisle and I did the prayer and their lifestyle doesn't change, I'm sorry, there's no evidence of it, right? And so there needs to be a change. So I want you to see that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Now turn back to John, the gospel, John 14. 
And you're probably familiar with the scripture, John 14, 6, right? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But I want you to see verse 12. 1 John 14, 12. John the Gospel, yep. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I am going to the Father. So if Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and he tells us in John 14 that you're to do likewise and even greater, so one of your assignments is to destroy the work of the devil. Now how you do that is varied ways and we I think covered this, I don't know when we covered it, but turn, turn with me to Mark 16, a very familiar scripture. I think I've, I might have even challenged you this past Sunday on it, right? I think I did. So look to the Gospel of Mark in chapter 16. Again, a familiar scripture. On the Great Commission, you are commissioned, right? When I was commissioned as an officer in the Navy, they put the bars on me and I took the oath to defend the nation. You're commissioned to take a stand. So in the Great Commission, Jesus commands you to do this stand. This is not some suggestion. It's, if you like to do it, you can do it. No, if you're a believer, this is your commissioning. And he says, he says this, he goes, and he told them, verse 15, this is after the resurrection, he, he comes to them, he says, go into all the world, so this is that Great Commission, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned, pretty straightforward. The miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They'll cast out demons in my name. They will speak with new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it will not hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. And when the Lord had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven, sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand, and he, the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked with them, confirming what they said by miraculous signs. So if you've not cast out a demon, you have to challenge, why not, if you're a believer? When I read that, one year into being, I'd already been ordained, uh, licensed in Georgia as a pastor, an associate pastor at the Gwinnett Vineyard, then I came, working for GE, then I came here, I resigned from GE, I'm one year in my position here, and I, I'm reading through the Gospels, and I read that, and I said, I don't have, I'm not casting out demons, and there's not a whole lot of people I'm laying hands on, and I'm certainly not playing with snakes, I don't even go with that stuff, right? You know, and so, I got convicted, I said, so there's something not right in my walk right now that I'm not fulfilling this commissioning. And so I got really challenged, and shortly thereafter that, Randy Clark came and said, you know, we're going into Brazil, I'm opening the country, if anybody wants to go. So eight of us went, and my prayer request, yep, Katie was on that one, my prayer request was, God, show me your power. Be careful when you pray something like that. (laughs) Because obviously I, I knew I needed power, in order to do some of this stuff because I felt a little powerless, right? And so, so I prayed, and if you've read my book, you know what happened. Randy actually, um, he, he covers it in, his, uh, in, in part of the beginning of the book. So we're on the 17th floor of this hotel. Randy's got eight of us. There's, there's eight of us from the church, Global River Church, Katie, my wife, Pat's husband, Phil. So we're all newbies, right? Um, I had never seen a demon manifest before. 
I saw it in, in the Exorcist movie, and I thought, that's Hollywood, right? Yeah, I don't need that stuff. So Randy teach, taught a little bit on words of knowledge, which we've taught in one of our sessions before, so you all ought to be using that in your prayer time now when you pray for people, right? Lord, show me something about this individual that I can know and, and operate in that. So we, he lays hands on us, and while we're there, he lays hands on the team of 11 of us. There was Tom Rotolo. He was a, he's now the one who does City Quake, right? And uh, been here before, right? Uh, he's with us. He was, he was a vineyard pastor at that time. And uh, Jamie Galloway was another. He was a 16-year-old out of Randy's uh, youth group, long-haired, a funny kid, but he's prophetic. Anyway, so this is our ministry team. <laughs> we're, all, we're all green. And uh, so as Randy lays hands on us, I need to lay hands on you and impart to you like we did Sunday, impart to you the power of the Holy Spirit so that when we go tonight and you walk into stuff, because you don't really know what you're walking into, but I do, and he's, I want to lay hands on you so you have the power to do what God's called you to do. So he lays hands on all of us, and that's fine, and well, one of my guys, Tony Kimbrough, is out shopping, which he wasn't supposed to do, and he misses the prayer time. So he walks in late as we're all done, and kind of people, nothing dramatic had happened. Tony walks in. I said, Randy, you gotta pray for Tony. He can't, you can't have the team not go all. So we set a chair down here. I get behind Tony. Randy comes up in front of you, in front of him, starts praying for him, and all of a sudden, all I can tell you is, I felt like electricity power came from the floor all the way up through, and that's why I think even today when the Holy Spirit's operating on me, I, I'm feeling it right now. I can feel electricity running up and down my body. That's how the Holy Spirit communicates to me. Well, he did it with high power. And so fortunately there was a table back here. So I'm there with Tony, I'm laying hands, and all of a sudden I, I can't fully explain it. All I know is I end up on the table, I roll off the table, and I do a face plant, <laughs> and I had titanium glasses. They were guaranteed not to break. They were over 350 bucks if I remember right. And they do a face plant with my face and the lens comes out, it breaks, and then I start spinning. And one of the ladies who was with this was an RN and she says, I'm spinning and I'm spinning. I bend the leg of the metal chair that Tony's sitting on with my leg. I, my, my, I'm not exaggerating, my elbows had no skin on them like this and I am in pain, I can't see, and the nurse says, he's having a grand mal seizure. <laughs> so she wants to call nine, Randy goes, no, no, this is impartation. Seems like, this is impartation. Now, not knowing, I wanted to see his power, right? I'll show you power. <laughs> like, so, so, and I am instantly, like in Acts chapter two. I am, for a better term, schnockered, okay? I don't, you know. I know none of you know what that means, but I am not, I, I turned to my wife and I said, honey, take me drunk, I'm home. And so they pick me up, they bring me to the hotel room, they put me in my bed, and I am, I am, I am sore, I can't see, I don't have another pair of glasses, and I'm like, and then I, we're a couple hours from going to our meeting. And I said, whoa, what just happened? I, and I felt totally at peace, even though I've got all this other stuff going on. So we get on the bus, we go to this 300 people plus maybe in Agua Viva, Church of Water, Living Water. 
And the worship in Brazil was absolutely, this is the most improbable. When we drove down and saw the, the tin roofs and the favelas, it'll break your heart. But they're there in their best clothing and they're worshiping God. And we walk in there and I'm telling you, I'm overcome by the spirit that's there, the presence of worship. In, it was just amazing. So we're up on the stage and I, there's, I'm up there with Randy and they're, they're doing worship and I'm like overcome anyway. And all of a sudden I start to feel that same I'm like, I look behind me and there's a drum set. I'm going, oh, Lord. <laughs> this. And I get a word of knowledge. We're to pray for the terminally ill. I'd never had a word of knowledge before. But Randy had imparted that. And he said, you know, just. So I get this, like, pray for the terminally ill. Sick. So I turned to Randy. We're in worship. I said, Randy, I got one of those words of knowledge things. Uh, I think we're supposed to pray for the terminally ill. He goes, he stops the meeting. Pastor's got a word. If you're terminally ill, you're sick, come with his team. They're gonna pray for you in the back room. There's a big back room back there. Come right now. So like 30 people, I said, Randy, you gotta come with us. We don't know what we're doing. You gotta come. He goes, no, no, you'll be fine. I gotta preach. We get back there, and I've got Phil Walls, and he's not afraid of anything. Anything human, he's not afraid of it. There weren't any demons he was afraid of either. Demolition guy in Vietnam, Tet Offensive. He's my armor bearer. He says, wherever you go, I go. I take a bullet for you. I said, I, I, I don't need that. I don't want that. He goes, you don't have a choice. I'm going wherever you go, and he did. And so we're in the back room, and man, there's a lot of sick people here. In walks this woman on a walker, all hunched over, and her legs going like this, and she comes in, and she sits down, and my wife starts praying for her. I'm praying for a woman who, her husband just died of AIDS, and her two children, she thought he had transmitted the AIDS both to her and to the children. She's mad at God, she's mad at him, and so we're praying, I pray, I said, look, being mad at God is not, there's no upsides to that, you know. I understand you, what you've gone through, I think, but I, I uh, so we pray, and then my wife says, Come over here, please. So I sit down, and her name was Priscilla. <clears throat> and I said, Priscilla, what, what's going on? She goes, well, I've been crippled since I was one. My father made fun of the next door neighbor whose child was crippled. They went and, and paid a Macumba witch who put a curse on my family. And at one years old, my leg turned down, and I've been crippled ever since. I can't recall if she had six or nine surgeries, but could not correctively fix it. So she says, I've come here. Um, I'm very tormented, I, I feel rejected all the time, I've been made fun of most of my life, I can't do normal things. This is all through a translator. So she goes, my wife prays for her, nothing happens. In the manual, the ministry manual at that time was a few pages, it says, well ask them if they've ever been involved in witchcraft. So my wife interviews her and says, yes, I've been cursed, and says, my husband knows something about this. <laughs> no, I don't, but, but I'm not dealing with it. Let me get him. So, she, <laughs> so I come over there, and so we do the interview process, and I, I said, Priscilla, um, would you be willing to forgive the Macumba witch, forgive your father, the neighbor? Would you be willing to forgive those who've made rejection, made fun of you? Would you be willing to forgive? She says, yes. You're a believer, yes. We lead her in a word of uh, confirmation for that. And then as soon as I said, well, I just finished reading Pigs in the Parlor. And I, and great book, yeah, light, light reading, right? Yeah, nice light reading. Um, and it's got all the, Frank Hammond, it's got all the demon categories, right, of, of uh, demons. So, so I'm there, I'm like, okay, well, 
um, let's, let's, let's get this witchcraft off you, right? So I used the name of Jesus. I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I come against the spirit of witchcraft. And as soon as we said that, all of a sudden she goes, the whole team is like, this is not normal. We get the trash can over there and the team is watching this whole thing and for the next, I don't know, 45 minutes, I'm going down the list of every demon, rejection, uh, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, and every time that's happening, there is this manifestation. And there's, it's, there's, it's just a loud, like you would see in the Exorcist movie. <clears throat> Finally, I don't know of any other demons to cast out, and she's more peaceful. My wife's pulling back her hair, and, and we ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill up the vessel, right, Matthew 12. We'll, we'll deal with this in, a, in the next session probably. Fill the house up, keep it clean and full. So you don't want any, se- you don't want seven worse to come back on her, right? And so at that point she turns to my wife and she says, I wanna walk. And my wife and I, we look at you, so I became the walker on one arm and my wife on the other. And as she walked across the room, her leg went straight. Now for this nuclear engineer who didn't smell it, taste it, or feel, I'm like, okay, wait, let me make sure I'm awake because what I just saw and witnessed is nothing I've ever seen, but it's the power of God for healing and deliverance. So my first experience of a major healing, my, you know, my, the story of my daughter being healed some 20 odd years earlier than that, but this was the first deliverance healing of a spirit of infirmity placed on this person by witchcraft, and I witnessed the power of the name that is above every name to heal this person. And that started to, so that word goes out. To, now she's a member of the church, they know her. As we finish, just then her husband, I didn't know this, but her husband walks in with their little one-year-old child. And she was fear, uh, in fear that her son was gonna also be crippled as a result of the Macumba curse upon their family line. The generational sins of the father shall visit to the third and fourth generation, right? Exodus 20, Exodus 34. So we see in this place, so, my eyes are open to the fact that Jesus is powerful and he has a desire to destroy the works of the devil. Okay, so when you look at these other scriptures, we'll, maybe we'll just hit a couple of these. 2 Corinthians 10.3, you're familiar with this scripture, I think, we won't turn there, but that's the one where it says, take every thought captive, the weapons of your warfare are not carnal but mighty to the pulling down of demonic strongholds. In fact, you've, if you've been here at any length of time, you'll notice, I wanna give credit to Molly, she says I don't have to, but I'm gonna, Molly niece is back there. Molly took my sermon from January and made it into a nice pretty, pretty picture. This is what we do for spiritual warfare. I do it every day. And so I would encourage you to study the scriptures on this one and then exercise yourself in what thought did I just got, get that is not and inspired by the Holy Spirit, it's not true, or it's partially true, get rid of it, 2 Corinthians 10, taking every thought captive, because the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, they're mighty to the pulling down of demonic strongholds. Bringing all of it into subjection to Christ, everything that raises itself above the knowledge of him. That's spiritual warfare, so you wanna, you wanna take this, what's the origin of your thought life, where did it come from? Is it your broken heart? Is it the demonic realm? Is it the world? or is it the Holy Spirit? Once you do that, that's the beginning, because what you'll do is, not only is it spiritual warfare for yourself, but now when you're dealing with a person who is struggling, 
turn to my, my tree diagram. I'll give you an example. So the, the second page in, you'll see a nice green tree and then an ugly tree. As a visual person, this is kind of what I like. When, remember Jesus said this, looking at the left side, see where it says tree of death? Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. Right, so when you see someone who's angry, violent, murderous, um, the fruit of that, there's something going on, on in, if you example, on their tree. So let's take the top one, fear and anxiety. Someone comes in and says, I'm totally wrecked with anxiety and fear. I live with that. I can't seem to find peace. I, I don't have, I get insomnia. My mind races and so there's a, that fruit is hanging on their tree. Now you go to the doctors, they'll give you Xanax or some other thing and they'll shut your soul down and your body down, your soma, they'll shut it down so that it, but it never gets to the root of why are you afraid? Why are you anxious? We gotta get to the root. So drop down on the left side. What's the root that's feeding that tree? Because Proverbs 23, seven says, as a person believes in their heart, so it is. Whether it's true or false. If you believe that you're gonna be something evil, I recently dealt with this, a person who operated in a great deal of, of dread. Now she had a lot of dreadful things happen, but she was operating in a spirit of dread, a foreboding, an, an expectation something evil is about to happen, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. Well why wouldn't you be anxious if that's what you believe? You're looking for the next shoe to drop because I'm full, so full of anxiety, full of fear. So that's fueled by, could be, no one can help me. God can't help me. He can. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the wrong belief, Katie. So this is that, I mean, you're the right belief. This is the wrong belief, right? So bad things are gonna happen to me, or I will fail, or I hate myself. Um, I'm guilty and ashamed. How many times I've heard people tell me, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't have no idea. I don't believe God can forgive me. I said, well, that was a big, gigantic lie. What you're telling me is that the blood of Jesus is good for everybody in the world and what he died for, but it's not for you? That is a big zero lie. <laughs> there is no sin that he cannot forgive, right? So once you break that root system, so when you get to the root of what's filling the, the, the thing that's hanging on the tree, then you, so that's why that scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, 3, taking every thought captive. What thought do you have does not line up with truth because the truth is what sets you free. Jesus said, I, he's the way, the truth, and the life. And he goes on and says, the truth will set you free. So what is the lie or what's the partial truth? Now the thing about life is there's usually some things that have truly happened, right? In the case of Priscilla, she was truly cursed. She was truly crippled. That's true, but it's not God's truth for her. There's a difference between what is true and what is truth. And so we're not saying it didn't happen. That same night that we're in there and after Priscilla starts walking and all we go crazy and the, the whole church breaks out. I remember being with Phil and there was a woman who had a goiter the size of a softball. I'm not exaggerating, right here. And Phil is like, once, Phil was such a man of faith. And he's, man. And he goes, man, God's here, and he goes over and says, in the name of Jesus, go! That thing disappeared, poof, God, right there. The whole team went, oh my God. I mean, we're seeing things like, is this for real, right? And so, when the, when the Holy Spirit moves in, and you start seeing it, 
So taking the thought captive, when you're talking to someone and you realize they believe a lie here, or it's partially true. See, the devil, he even used that same strategy against Jesus. Remember, in Luke 3, where he's baptized in water, Holy Spirit, the Father speaks, the heavens are rent, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, the Father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, right? And he's led by the Holy Spirit into the desert, and while he's in the the first category, he fasts for 40 days. Now, the natural side of the God-man Jesus, you know he's hungry, he's probably waiting, can't wait for this 40 days to be over, Gonna, you know, have the angels come and bring me some steak here and, you know, whatever. And so what does the devil do? First question is, if you're the son of God, so challenge his identity. Secondly, he says, if you're the son of God, why don't you change the stones to bread? So he challenges his identity, and he also hits him where he's vulnerable. The devil's a liar. He's a thief. He's, and he says it leaves Jesus till the next opportunity at the end. of Well, then what's the next thing? That didn't work. Jesus counters him with scripture, but then the devil uses scripture, takes him up on the high place and says, why don't you throw yourself off? Doesn't it say that the angels will take charge over you and you won't dash your foot on a stone? That's a quote from the devil. Using the word of God to the word of God to twist it, right? And what, of course, that's out of Psalm 91. So be careful. The devil will try to manipulate and oftentimes the most rooted lies in a person's life, they're validated by things that have actually happened to them. They've been abused, they've been raped, they've had things happen to them that truly happened. But when we get to the truth that will set them free, what's the truth? So now look at the right side. We wanna operate in the green tree, right? Galatians 5, if you walk in the spirit, you'll produce this kind of thing. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, mercy, self-control. Right, and he goes, but if you walk in the flesh, it'll produce, this is Galatians 5.22, if you walk in the flesh, it'll produce all sorts of ugly things. We don't wanna go there. So when you, how do you then operate in staying in Galatians chapter five? By knowing the truth and knowing the word and operating in it. And so these are examples on the right side that if God's for me, who can be against me? Right? The kingdom, God takes care of me, supplies all my needs. If there's a poverty spirit, that's a lie. No, you're gonna be taken care of. So this is where analyzing your own thought life in spiritual warfare or analyzing the person that you're hearing the lies that they believe become the tool in the box that says, let's renounce that lie and let's release that truth over it and then tell them to walk it out. Right, And that's how spiritual warfare and deliverance ministry at its baseline, what you're looking for is, what's the lie that they believe? Because once you can get to the lie, the truth can set them free. The way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am him, right? So there's, that's, that is in essence the root of deliverance ministry. It's not all this engaging with demons and all that. In fact, if you do it, it's rare. Unless someone has been in satanic ritual abuse, they've been blood sacrificed, and we deal with that, then there might be some. And when we first started in the ministry, we would jump into, let's just get the demons out. And then you have all these you know, manifestations. But we average, when we do a prayer ministry, so how many have been to prayer ministry? Hallelujah, okay. We average somewhere around five and a half to six, seven hours in a session because the first three hours or so is 
tell your story. We have them, you'll notice, in the, in the back of the book and also here in the Destiny Model, in the Wirebound. What the preparation for Inner Healing Destiny Model is go spend about two weeks with the Holy Spirit because if you lack wisdom, ask the Lord. Spend two weeks with the Lord and Pat will send you the journal and in the journal it's like, gives you some scriptures and then it says, just take a piece of paper, who do I need to forgive and what do I need to confess? And then spend time with the Holy Spirit, ask him. And if you can go back as far as you can in childhood, like, oh yeah, the coach who told me I was, I was no good at anything. And, or my mom and dad who said, you know, I wish you'd do this and that. And, and all the stuff that we need to forgive that's either hurt us, wounded us, or, and, and then the other part of it is, what do I need to confess? There's my sin. What doors did I open? What rebellion did I partner with? Now that's gonna get destroyed at the end of your session. It's gonna be torn up and we, we guarantee we're not gonna go talk about your stuff. In fact, with me, I can't even remember it because I do so many, it's like they all blend together. People get mad at me. They call me, don't you remember? I told you stuff I've never told another human being and you don't even remember it. I said, that's good, right? <laughs> so th- this is that place where when you come into the session, you tell the story and while we're listening to this story, let me give you an example. When I went to my prayer ministry, I was 47 years old, I'm a pastor, I preach on love, I preach on forgiveness. Um, I think I know a little bit about the word then, right? And my senior pastor said, we're all going to, uh, to deliverance training, a deliverance session, and uh, I said, well, I mean, I'm really good, I, know, I, I got it down. He goes, yeah, right, we, you, we all got baggage, including me, and you're going. So I saluted and I went. Now, if you know my story, my dad was an alcoholic for 40 years. There's abuse. He's a lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps. I'm the oldest of four boys. I got a Down syndrome second brother. I grew up in a very, very dysfunctional family. And how my mom put up with that, she's a saint. She has got special recognition in heaven. <laughs> and her living in front of my father that way is the First Corinthians chapter 7 or 1 Peter 5, uh, 1 Peter, I guess it's three, right? Wives live before your husbands this way and you'll win them over. She did that. You could not live with that woman without, <laughs> oh, it, it used to infuriate my father. Did you pray, Al? <laughs> oh, you and your prayers. <laughs> anyway, so, so I'm in my prayer, se- I'm in my inner healing session with them and I'm three hours into it and it's not too long into, so tell us the story of your life they realize this boy's got some daddy issues. (laughs) And so they're locking in on that. And in the midst of that, I'm telling them, you know, bars and bar fights and rescuing this and all the bad, horrible memories of the things that happened to me. My dad had gone to, in World War II, came back from Korea, used alcohol to medicate his PTSD. And it wasn't uncommon for him to wake up all four of us boys and relive the war stories after he got drunk. I can still tell you this day, I have the memory of them, they no longer have me, praise God. So that, those, I'm telling that story. <clears throat> we take a break, I'm in the bathroom and I hear the Holy Spirit say, so tell them about what happened to you when you were a teenager with your father. So I am not doing that. I'm, I'm like having an argument in the mirror with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> but I am totally unraveled because it, it, when you, un, we, we're, painted verse, right? We don't like to revisit those things. So when you start digging the root system up of the ugly tree and you expose that root and it's like, it is very unnerving. And so I'm like unnerved. I'm supposed to be all together and pass, right? And 
So I come back and I sit back down and the, um, the female lady who was there, she actually was an Episcopal spirit-filled priest's wife. She says, I had a word of knowledge when we were on break. You need to tell, him, tell us what happened with your father when you were a teenager. I'm like, I know it was God. So I start to unpack that. And I am a 47-year-old man in a 16-year-old body. And I don't know, but three hours went by and I, well, I could fly out of that room. And I knew that I had been set, the anger, the resentment, the rejection, the fear, the, the lack, distrust of the Father. It's not good for a pastor not to have a trust of the Father, right? I don't think that's good, right? And that echo of that self-reliant, all that stuff was there. I was like, I just walked out of like, well, I don't know what happened, but all I know is if I ever have a chance, everybody's going to prayer ministry. <laughs> I want a whole church that goes to prayer ministry. What would happen if all of our bags got unpacked? What would happen? Maybe revival would break out. So anyway, so anyway, so I, I left there and it's like, oh my gosh. So I want you to see in this example. It's worth going to, amen. It's worth going to, amen. Okay, so let's go back now into the module. I want us to kind of start unpacking this. What we're gonna do is I'm gonna kind of give you the theory and then towards the next several sessions, we're gonna do the practice side of this. And so, and those who have been in a prayer ministry, who have had some examples of freedom, if you could think about this in the next few weeks about what was it that you experienced in that freedom, kind of bring a synopsis of that, and what is the outcome? Some of you have had prayer ministries years ago, and are the, the fruit of that is in your life now. And then some of you are brand new, and it's okay. We've been seeing it on, in the tent on Friday nights. And the Lord, example, um, there was um, Friday night, I got a word of knowledge on TMJ. So I went up to Parker. He had a word of knowledge on something else. I can't remember what word. Hearing. On hearing, yeah. And so this is how the Holy Spirit does things. So uh, uh, several, lots of people responded to the TMJ, and um, but the later, the person who had responded in one of the altar calls of that TMJ came up later and said, can we pray? And a mini deliverance went on. There was this place of breaking free, crying, sharing the inner hurts of her heart. So the Lord opened the door to heal the pain in the jaw, but he had another agenda. <laughs> That's just how he works, right? And it was beautiful. So here you got a mom with kids, and what's the impact of a mom who's now gonna be set free. And when later we prayed for the husband, we prayed, it was, it's, he's just such a good God. And so <clears throat> being able to uh, respond with what am I seeing and knowing the tools that I can, I, I know what that is, right? Um, it doesn't take rocket science sometimes to know, right? Let me use Pat's example, we're in England, right? We were in, Man, was it Manchester, Birmingham with Randy and, uh, <clears throat> Jamie Galloway is up on the stage and he's preaching and they do an altar call like Randy does. So we're there, I don't know, I don't know how many with Global Awakening there. But Rawlings had been doing, had started with the whole Harry Potter stuff. <clears throat> and there were covens all over England and they still are. And they had made assignments to go into churches, infiltrate the churches and pray for death over the staff. And so, so we're, we're in this church and we're there and this woman comes up, Pat's in the front, and Pat comes up and 
The woman comes and says, pray for me if I had a double mastectomy. I've had uh, breast cancer, had a double mastectomy. My hair has just grown back. Would you pray for me? And Pat, you told me this is right, right? Start praying for her. All of a sudden she goes. Pat goes, let me get Tom. <laughs> so so, so we, we set up. We realized, okay, we're, the, one of our protocols is we don't want to embarrass anybody, right? And usually to get to the root of an issue, you need to take time. And when you spend, like yesterday, Jennifer and I spent, Jennifer Batts and I spent, I think, six or seven hours with a woman from another church. And we don't charge anything because he told us freely receive, freely give. And they, 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 one, they have trouble conceptually understanding, you spend all this time. I said, you probably have at least 70 people in your influence stream. And if you get set free, <clears throat> what's the impact over your life of all those people that are, she's 22, you're gonna be, you're gonna be a mom, you're gonna, you're gonna have a, I wish I had had prayer ministry before I got married. 15 years into my marriage, I would have saved a whole lot of stuff. Not that my wife would say, maybe I need to go again, but you know, <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, if we would have it, right? So what happens there, she manifests, and we set up, would you come back tomorrow? And I had two brand new folks, actually my mom, um, a guy named Charles, um, come on, Pat. Charles George, Charles George, and, uh, and another lady, right? And so we're in the session three hours before the meeting, and she describes the stuff that she believed that were lies. But the essence of the door that opened was she was part of a staff and she was asked on Christmas Eve to read the Christmas story. So two churches came together and she's reading the Christmas story and, in the, as, and all of a sudden she starts to feel violently ill like she's gonna throw up. And so she goes home, she's sick all night, she gets up in the morning and she finds a cassette tape completely around the entire house like it had been unraveled from the cassette, all around the bushes, her front door, all the way. I said, I said, what do you think that was? She goes, oh, I know what it was. The covens have infiltrated the church. They speak curses on it, and they follow us home, and then they put it on our houses to kill us or die or cause something to happen to us. I said, well, what'd you do with it? She goes, I threw it away. I said, that's it? You didn't renounce it or you didn't? No. I said, oh, okay, well, what's the rest of your story? Well, right after that, all of my children got arrested my husband wins the coffee mess and they buy him a prostitute. I get angry at him. My mother, -in -law, my mother and I, we go on vacation to Turkey. <clears throat> she tells me, I will buy you that special gold jewelry in that store we saw. If you'll have this guy from Turkey, is, he's obviously interested in you. Why don't you pay your husband back? So she goes and sleeps with him. Grandma, uh, Mama buys this jewelry. They're in the session. A word of knowledge comes out from Jamie. There's somebody in the, in the church here tonight, you're wearing cursed jewelry right now. She goes, I've had these warts on my hand that I can't seem to get rid of. I've had them try and burn them off. She said she ran in the ladies' room, took off the jewelry, threw it. The next morning she shows up for the session, there's no warts on her hand. I'm just reporting. This is stuff, this is the real deal. This is how the darkness infiltrates and in what he does. So we're in this session my mom had never heard a demon speak before. We're in the session, we're going through the confession, forgiveness, she's forgiving her husband, forgiving her mother, confessing her sin of adultery, forgiving her children, forgiving the witch, and we're all through them, we get to the, and all of a sudden we, we start to pray, and 
we start commanding things out, and this spirit turns and says, I'm not coming out. She likes me. I said, okay, so something's authorized here that has not behaving to the name of Jesus. So there's something undone. I said, Lord, there's something unfinished here. She's not telling, there's something she's not doing or hasn't repented of. So we start praying, Lord, would you show us all of a sudden, um, Charles goes, oh, oh, ask her about the abortion. She goes, I've never told anybody about my abortion. So, well, would you like to repent of that? Yes, yes. So she repents. We start praying and start again. She goes, I'm not leaving. I said, Lord, what else? All of a sudden, the other lady says to me, one of our partners says, ask her about the sexual stuff. I won't elaborate on it. We're on live. Ask her about this, this, and this. She goes, okay, I'm ready to confess that. She confesses that. Then we command the thing to go, and all of a sudden it turns and says, I'm leaving. And it leaves. And now she had had the double mastectomy. This is wild. She couldn't lift her hands above her shoulder length. We didn't know that. She didn't share that with us. And so we're in, the, we're in a prayer circle. We're all excited. I mean, she's delivered. She's like elated. She's feeling so much peace. So let's just praise the Lord. And she lifts her and she goes, I can't do this. <laughs> it was amazing. So what's the point? The point of this is those doors that were open, that were unresolved, there was a lot more to the story that, that she shared with us, a, uh, a babysitter that had abused her and her brother. And it, so there was a whole lot of stuff that needed to get unpacked. That's why when we take time to unpack all that has brought the torment, the lies, the abuse, those things truly happened and they leave a scar on the soul. That's why you can confess your sin, I forgive the abuse, but if I haven't dealt with the wound and I haven't confessed, in my case, I forgave my father, for his abuse, his alcohol, the stuff like that, but I needed to confess my anger, my resentment, my, my bitterness. There were times I wish he wouldn't come home because I was so afraid that when he came home, what would happen? And so when we deal with both sides of that equation, the Lord then, isn't that what Jesus said? Forgive and you'll be forgiven. If you refuse to forgive, you won't be forgiven. Confess your sins to him and he's faithful to forgive you from all. So what, what happens, we'll get into this next week. What happens, the way you tie up the strong man in Matthew 12. Let's turn there and we'll, we'll close with this. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Jesus does a really good teaching here on deliverance. First, he's falsely accused. There's such a lot of in this chapter. In Matthew 12 and verse 22, he casts a demon out of a demon-possessed man. You're there, Matthew 12, 22. A demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so he could both speak and see. So that spirit of infirmity that brought deafness and blindness, right? So he can now, so that's a sign of the Messiah. So they say, hey, is he David? Is he the son of David, the Messiah? Well, the religious folks, they don't like that. <laughs> Right, he's, no, he's the, he's the carpenter from you know, Nazareth. So no, no, he's, so he must be the prince of demons. That's how he does his power. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, so here's a word of knowledge. Jesus knows their thoughts, right? The New Agers say, he's, he read their mind. No, it's, he knows his thoughts by the word. He's God, and we can have the word of knowledge as well. Jesus knows their thoughts. Any kingdom divided against a civil war, and he explains to them, and then he challenges them, what about your own exorcist, your Jewish exorcist? What, do they, what power do they use? 
right? And so they can't answer that. So then he, he does some explaining. Verse 28, if I'm casting out a demon by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. So when you see a person, I love it when first-timers come with us or they, they sit in on a session. I, I had one, um, one of our staff, of, this is probably a year ago, She'd never seen any of that, and this woman came from another state and actually been from another country, had been involved in all sorts of stuff, and when that demon came out, she was so excited the next day. She was saying, oh my God, God is real. I said, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's really good. No, he's like, I, he, I, I, he's real. I, I know he's real, yeah. It's like, when the kingdom of God, when you see that happen, you cannot deny it. You can't unsee it. You see the power of God, it's like, yeah. We used to get, you know, kind of just really excited and he tells us, don't get too excited. Just remember you're a citizen of heaven. Okay, let me go on. It says, casting out demons by the spirit of God, the kingdom has arrived among you. For who's powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder, plunder his goods, only someone even stronger, someone who can tie him up and plunder his house. So the question is, how do you tie up the darkness that's operating inside a person that wants to kill and destroy them? By confession. If I confess my sins, he's faithful to forgive me from all unrighteousness. So when I confess my anger, resentment, and bitterness, and hatred towards my father, that's one side of the equation. When I forgive my father for his behaviors on PTSD and drunkenness and how he's medicating his pain and I forgive him, what happens is I now have the memories but the memories no longer have control over me. And I witnessed that because within a few weeks of doing that ministry, I went to visit my father and shortly after that he got saved. Did, did the, the negative control anger, resentment, bitterness against the father who knew he was not fathering properly because on his deathbed when I did his prayer ministry in hospice and he asked for my brother and I to forgive him for the way he treated us and and of course we all did and blubbered and it was beautifully and powerful but when that, when we, when I released him of the cage that actually I was in, something happened to him that he could also enter in. That's powerful. That's why Jesus said, if you forgive, you'll be forgiven. And there's no, there is no justification to unforgiveness. When Jesus hangs on a cross and says, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing right now. So if you want to justify why you're unforgiving, you can't. And it's illegal in the kingdom. Now, you may not want to. You've got a will to. When my son was murdered, I had to will to forgive that individual. And I, my wife and I pray that he'll be in heaven, this, young, this man who did this. It's not easy, and you know, but I've walked this one. I get it. I recognize how hard that is. But at the same time, if God is good and his word is real and it's full of living power, then you have no choice but to operate in it. And so once that happens, what happens is you set the individual free from both the capture of the stuff that they've done, but also, and what a, what a fulfilling promise that says when you can confess this stuff and the darkest stuff. I always tell people, Tell me the darkest stuff, the stuff you don't want to tell us, the stuff that embarrasses you. Bring it into the light so it loses its power. And sometimes they tell you things like, whoa. And I remember, I don't know if Pat was in this one or not, but <clears throat> there was a woman who was going to go to, to, to Brazil with us. <clears throat> she got a word. One of her nursing friends says, you're supposed to go with us. We've been to Mozambique. And so she knows she's supposed to go. 
But one of the criteria for going on a mission trip with us, you got to go to prayer ministry to get your bags unpacked because I'm not taking you out there and have the devil jump on you and mess up the stuff, right? So she goes to prayer ministry. We're in the prayer ministry. We're in, and she's telling her story. And I'll dress it up. Um, So, so the, the, I said, have you told us everything that you know and have you forgiven and confessed everything? She goes, well, there's one thing, but I'm not telling you. I said, well, that's, that's a linchpin issue. If you're not, that is the very, that's the thing that's got you captured. She'd already broke one engagement. She's engaged to be uh, married to a Marine Corps sniper uh, and, and uh, I end up doing his prayer ministry. Oh my God. Anyway, so, so she's there. I said, you got, you got to tell us. You got to tell us. She goes, I'm not telling you that. I'm never going to tell you that. I said, Lord, what do we do now? <laughs> do we just cancel this and tell her she can't go to Brazil? And So I said, Lord, what? And he gives me a picture. I'll just say the word, bestiality, right? He gives me an ugly picture. And I'm like, oh boy, I sure hope I'm right on this word of knowledge. So I described to her, she goes, oh my God, oh my God, why would God show you that, oh my God. Because he wants you free. You don't think there's any sin that you can't be forgiven from? Come on, sin is sin. It'll all send you to hell if you don't confess it, right? So she confesses, man, I do prayer ministry. She goes to Brazil, and I remember the first night in Brazil, she's surrounded by these kids, and I think it was a deaf ear, a blind eye, I can't remember now, but it was beautiful. Then I ended up doing prayer ministry on her husband-to-be, and we had a military wedding at Camp Lejeune. It was awesome. And the story that he, the story he needed to be healed from. So what's the point? It starts with, this desire, how do you tie the strong man up? Through confession and repentance. And that's why we don't rush into this, and we don't, when someone might manifest here during worship or whatever, take your time. What I do is we generally step outside the tent. A couple weeks ago, I got Miss Addie, myself, and Pastor Willie, went to the back of the tent, and we spent time with a woman, first time in the tent, generational stuff in her life that had absolutely beaten her up to the point when she, it was beautiful to see them set free. So here's what I'd like you to do. We're gonna spend probably the next four weeks. I'd like you to read through module 12. And then if you finish module 12, then go into module 11, which is the curses. I'm gonna, <clears throat> we wanna, wanna deal with, let's look at the deliverance process, and which is kind of now the theory. Remember we're doing theory to practice. So we're gonna get the theory behind. You wanna get the word of God in there so that you know who you are in Christ, your authority in Christ, that you don't have to be afraid of the devil. In fact, the devil needs to be very much afraid of you. His tactic is always to bring fear. Remember that, 2 Timothy 1.7? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So his tactic is to make himself big and bad, but you can crush him, Right? Luke, we'll, we'll deal with that more. Luke chapter 10, you can walk among the snakes and crush him. So this idea, you need to get mad at the devil and recognize you have authority over him. He messes with your kids, with your marriage, with your business, your finances, your health. You need to take a stand against him, right? Take a firm stand against him. So part of this is to get you to believe what the word says and then you understand who you are by your identity in him, how big he is, and how big you are in him. Once you get there, oh my gosh, it will transform 
the way you operate. And it'll bring a level of peace and also a reverential honor of fear of the Lord. <laughs> so let's stand and so read through those two modules. Um, and then if you haven't read the book, or if, if you've got one already, that's fine. If you haven't read the book, pick one up. They're on the uh, credenza out front there. And uh, start just reading through that. So let me pray for you. Lord, we just come and first I speak peace over everyone here. Any listening by live stream? Lord, that the enemy doesn't get to torment, you just shut him down. In Jesus' name, I speak shalom over all of us. I know they've heard some things maybe tonight that are like, whoa. But Lord, I pray for a supernatural, reverential peace that comes, that you're so awesome. You showed us over and over again how to do this, and you did it, and then you said, now go and do likewise, even greater. So Lord, I thank you for your revelatory promise to us I speak Holy Spirit peace over everyone here in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for being here.